This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Save made. Lose puck. They score. Behind the net to Fabry with Brower in front. Pass to Brower to Stastny. Score! Blues get it back. Paul Stastny roofs it over Kari Lennon. And three Blues battle for the puck and win it. Yori Latir to Patrick Berglund. He shoots, he scores! Bula, big goal! 3.4 to go in the first period. Tarasenko picking it up, trying to go to the empty net. He scores! Tarasenko! Has made it 6-1, St. Louis, 4.40 to go in the third period of play. Some of the damage from last night, 6-1 would be your final in a game that has quickly been labeled as one of the worst Game 7s ever. Blues, 6, Stars, 1 in Dallas. Nonetheless, and the Blues move on, and the Stars, after a very good regular season, are defeated. As I mentioned, they led the NHL in goals four during the regular season. The team that has done that has not won the Stanley Cup since 1992. To break it down for Dallas, a look back and a look ahead, Mike Heike from the Dallas Morning News. Mike, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Doing good, Reed. How are you? Doing, uh, doing very well, and uh, thanks for uh, taking time to join us because I know it's always busy that the day after the season ends and there's uh, a lot for, for you and your your readers to talk about. And uh, the headline for uh, your piece, one of worst Game 7s of all time, exposes all sorts of weaknesses for the Stars. Now, were those weaknesses ones you worried about going into the playoffs, Mike? Yeah, definitely. Before the playoffs, for sure. Uh, they're a small team, uh, especially on defense. Uh, so that that was something that was a concern, especially if they were going to play a team like the Blues or the Kings, or they're a bigger team. And then the goaltending, you know, the goaltending shuffle. Nobody was 100% behind it. Uh, they each had 25 wins. The Stars found a way to finish first in the Western Conference. Uh, but it was uh, it was an iffy proposition from from day one of the playoffs. What was uh, I, I know that Ke- had Kelly Rudy on in the last half hour. He he referenced that uh, you know Lindy Ruff said maybe I should have should have pulled him earlier. What what was the the reaction from coach and player and the goalie himself after the game last night? <laughs> pretty sad when you when your coach is saying like yeah maybe i should have pulled him after the second goal um it was tough uh i think everybody the players don't want to blame the goalie obviously uh but he was he just had a really rough night and the, the irony is it came on the the heels of a really great night in game six maybe 
maybe the best night he's ever had in his career, and then followed up with maybe the worst night he's ever had. Um, so, <sighs> Kari was, you know, Kari takes blame for, for everything. He's very uh, soft-spoken, but he's very honest about his performance. Uh, Lindy called it disappointing, uh, but he didn't want to, you know, blame it all on Kari. Uh, he said that, you know, when it was, I think it was one nothing. And the Stars must have had three or four good scoring chances to make it 1-1, and they couldn't convert. And then uh, they had the uh, the goal that was waved off on uh, on offside. I think that was at, at 15 or 16 minutes. Then they gave up after that. After they got saved on that goal, they gave up another goal 48 seconds later. Then they gave up another goal two minutes later. Uh, so it was it was overall bad, and I, and I do think it affected the way they played the rest of the game because it's you know it's pretty much took him out of a game seven at home. Well, and what was the third goal with, like, four seconds left in the period? That was the one to me yeah. where it looked done. Yeah, that was, that was the worst one, and and that's the one Lindy said where, you know, he was just trying to get to the intermission, and he shouldn't have done that. He should have. As soon as Kari gave up the second one, uh, Lindy said he should have pulled him right there. Mike Heike joining us from the Dallas Morning News after a very good regular season. The Dallas Stars eliminated by the St. Louis Blues last night. I mean, they're, obviously this is a, a really good team. Ben is outstanding. Sagan signed long-term. Um, but there are some UFAs on this roster, some a, a little older, like the Edmonton native Vernon Fiddler. You wonder what's up with him. I want to ask you a little bit about the defense. They have four... UFA is coming up on defense. Goligoski, Demers, who a lot of people in Edmonton are talking about now. Chris Russell, who they got from uh, Calgary, and uh, and and Jordy Ben, who didn't who didn't make as much, but he's going to be a UFA as well. I mean, I can I make the safe assumption they're going to have to let one of those guys walk? <laughs> I'm going to give you an unsafe assumption and say they might let all four of them walk. Wow. Okay. Um, here's what they have. They have. Uh, Johnny Oduya under contract, John Klingberg under contract, Stephen Johns has earned a place on the team, and Essel Lindell, and he's a wild card in all this, is pretty much a lock to make the roster. Lindell played all season, well, maybe three games in the NHL. The rest of the season in the AHL was pretty good. Team Finland has already chosen Essel Lindell to play in the World, uh, World Cup of Hockey uh, next year. Uh, or at least this fall. Uh, so that is how highly he is thought of. He's a big, strong, two-way defenseman who plays on the left side and might be a good pairing with Klingberg. So all of this is getting to the point of there's four right there. Okay, They also have Nemeth and Alexiak, who I think are two good young defensemen, and I think they should keep them. Uh, we'll see if they, they want to move one or not. That puts them up at six. Uh, they have Julius Honka, who's a little right-handed, skilled defenseman, uh, who is playing really well in the AHL and might be a call-up later in the year next year. And that basically would allow them, if they wanted to do it, to go after a, you know, swing a big stick at a top-level UFA defenseman or try and make a trade with a team who might be in a little bit of financial trouble uh, and try and take one of their big-money defensemen. Uh, so there is a possibility that all four of them are gone. They go with a, a, a younger group next year and try and add just a, you know, a quote-unquote number one defenseman to that group. They, they would have the possibility, if they let all four defensemen go, they'd have about $10 million 
in cap space that that would open up. Okay. Well, wow, man, that's uh, that's really interesting. I, I, we talked about the goaltending earlier. I guess with the look ahead, I, I should ask about this as well. I mean, Lettinen and Niemi combined make $9.9 million. That's 14.5% of the salary cap. And they're both signed for three more years. I mean, it clearly, and I, I'm sure the, the, the fan base is now even more worried about the goaltending than they might have been before. Are, are they going to try to deal one of those guys and, and go with a different direction? Or do you think they're quote-unquote stuck with Lettinen and Niemi for the, for the next two years? Well, yes, yeah, it's for the next two years, so that helps a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll try and, and, and make a change there. Um, if you were to buy out Lettinen, and I think it has to be Lettinen just because he's been there for six years and, and he ended the season on that note, and then two years ago uh, he blew game six against Anaheim in the playoffs. Uh, so there's just those memories I, I, I might be too much for the – both the fans and Kari and the team, it, he just might be have to be the guy who's moved. Uh, if you were to buy him out with the two years and $11 million remaining on his contract, uh, I believe you'd have a cap hit somewhere around $2 million for the next four years, and I think that's pretty doable. Uh, so they can try and trade him. They could eat half of his salary in a trade, or they could just, if they got to that point, they could just buy him out and the cost would be about $2 million a year for the next four years, which, like I said, I think is pretty doable. And then, you know, then you got to go out into the market and try and find a replacement. Well, interesting stuff. I mean, this this still, I think, to a lot of people would be appear to be a team with a, with a bright future, but maybe it'll be uh, some different hands at the wheel, especially on defense and in goal than we thought that would have been uh, driving the ship. I should ask you about the Edmonton kid. Well, he's not hes not a kid anymore. Uh, Vern Fiddler, uh, UFA, 36. Uh, what do you think there? It's a tough one. Uh, the biggest problem is, is with the forward group, they also have the same situation on, uh, on the forward group as they did on defense. The kids they have coming up are big and strong, and so... You know, if you're adding a Brett Ritchie or a Curtis McKenzie or a Jason Dickinson or a Devin Shore, I think you're making your group better certainly a year from now and possibly even next year. And I think you have to do that. That's why I keep saying I think they would keep Alexiak and Nemeth on defense because mm-hmm. it, it, it's not only they could be as good or better next year, they would be much better two or three years from now. And, and that's the problem with Vern and Travis Mullins in there too. Um where these kids are the future. These kids are big and strong. They're 22. They're not 18. Uh, they're ready to, to hit the NHL, and I just think it's time for those guys to make a step up. The other part of it is, is if you add these kids, you know, whether on defense or as a forward group, none of them's making over a million bucks. And so then that would help you if you want to make a, a move on in goal or, or swing at a, at a big defenseman. All that creates space for you you know, because you have so many kids playing. Right. Okay. Well, Mike, thanks for the update. That, that's uh, that's an interesting take on, on, on what could happen over the summer. Going to be one of many teams to watch for sure. Hey, always appreciate that you make time for us here on 630. Ched, Mike, and uh, I, I know you're going to stay busy even though ho- hockey is over, but uh, enjoy. I hope you get a little bit of a break. Thanks, Reed. It's always fun to be on. Right on. That is Mike Heike checking in tonight from the Dallas Morning News. And, uh, yeah, t- interesting, interesting. Four UFA defensemen, Alex Goligoski, Jason Demers, Chris Russell, Jordy Ben, and uh, Mike says maybe all four.
would be uh, let go to free agency by the Dallas Stars. And I know there's been a lot of talk lately here in Oilerland about going after Jason Demers. He's 27, made 2.2 million last season. Certainly he'd be looking to get uh, more than that. Certainly a guy that could help the Oilers, as we know about their weaknesses on defense. All right, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. No score, five minutes in. Sharks and Predators. We're back in a minute. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Twelve and a half minutes left in the first period. Game seven, no score. Nashville and San Jose. Canada won at Worlds today in Russia, 5-2 over Germany. Connor McDavid, big third period. Taylor Hall scored twice. Canada will play Slovakia on Saturday. The Blue Jays play Texas tomorrow. Jason Day leads the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. That's the one with the island green on 17. He shot a 9 under 63. He has a two-shot lead. Uh, Nick Taylor the best Canadian at 5-under. He's tied for 13th. NBA tonight, Oklahoma City trying to complete the series against San Antonio. They lead 42-29 with three minutes left in the first half. That is game six. OKC obviously up three games to two. Reed Wilkins with you. This portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right, or it's free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. You can text 630-630. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com or you can call 780-496-0063. That's what Chris from Phoenix has elected to do this evening. Hey, Chris. Hey, man. Just wanted to let you know that uh, you, you're the envy of uh, many an Oiler fan, especially me. Uh, you have uh, the greatest job I think that uh, I can think of right now uh, just talking Oiler hockey. Uh, and you get paid for it. That's, that's amazing. Um, if I ever find a genie in a bottle, you know, you're going to lose your job. But <laughs> well, it may not uh, take that, but uh, thanks. <laughs> I'm just messing. No, it's, uh, I, I heard some things today on Stoff. I know it got, kind of got excited. He, he, he's bringing up uh, Hamannick again. I don't know. Uh, I didn't really get a chance to hear exactly all of what he brought up, uh, but there was some, uh, some, uh, some false rumors, and it's funny how different, uh, different radio stations think that uh, what it's going to take to get Falk. Uh, Stoffer says it's going to take uh, Nuge and then uh, – for Falk Plus, and then uh, somebody else is uh, saying uh, it's going to take Nuge Plus to get Falk, so it's pretty funny. Uh, the, the question that I had, I had a couple questions, and it, like I said yesterday, uh, I want the Oilers to add at least three solid defensemen, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking if we added two solid defensemen uh, via the trade route, we might have a tough time signing another one because, you know, it's going to possibly create a logjam. Uh since your uh, that interview right there with uh, the Dallas guy, uh, he stated that Demers is more than likely going to going to walk. What are the odds of uh, Shirelli maybe uh, calling up Dallas and, and offering him, say, like a, a late round, fifth round draft pick or whatever, whatever those those rights go, uh, just so we can probably get ahead of the curve and try to sign this guy? Uh, just because I fear I fear if we get two defensemen, we might not be able to sign him, and I would like to have the cushion there for. Uh, you know injuries and whatnot, and then another another trade that uh, that I've been thinking about here is is there's been a lot of chatter around uh, Andrew Shaw out of Chicago. What are the odds of uh, of say the Oilers maybe throwing them Lander for a Shaw? Would you do that? And would it be would it be wise uh, given how Lander's played last this past season? That's all I have. You got a great show, and uh, let's go Oilers. 
All right, do you, want, do you want to stay on the line here? No, he's gone already. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, would I trade Lander for Andrew Shaw? Sure, I would. I just don't think. I don't know if Chicago would do it. I, I don't think Lander is gonna. Uh, I don't think he's a full-time NHLer. I can't believe I'm saying that because a year ago I thought he was the third-line center, but he just it, it didn't happen for him this year. I, I guess I, for Chris, trading a pick ahead of time to get Demers' rights to negotiate with him, I, I I wouldn't do that because now you can start negotiating with guys, what is it, Matthew, four or five days before July 1st. So at least you have that run-up time to, to talk to him. So unless you're going to try to get him even ahead of time before that window, um yeah, I don't know if I'd, I'd bother trading a, a, a pick for him just to get to talk to him June uh, June whatever. And here's another thing that could be with Edmonton's advantage if Demers is in play. Who coached him in San Jose? Under what head coach did he have his uh, best season? Todd McClellan, 13-14. Demers had 34 points in 75 games. He was plus 14, so remember that. Does Chris want to come back on? No, he's good. Okay, uh, I got about a minute or so for uh, Kirk. Hey, Kirk. Hi, Reese. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, we can't trade Taylor Hall. I- I've told you this before, and this is my belief, but so many people want to get rid of him for some reason. But, I mean, look at the guy at the World Championships. He's unbelievable. Well, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think Taylor Hall is a very good player. I, I, I think he takes too much blame for what's happened over the last six years. I mean, he's not perfect, but he does a lot of things very well. And I, I just think if – I mean, one of the $6 million guys is going to be traded. If it's me, I'm I'm least likely to trade him, even though I know you could get the most return. He's a pretty important player. No, keep him no matter what. No, you, you got to keep the guy. He takes the puck off guys. Cycles the puck, he strips the puck in the offensive zone. The guy is something else. I mean, he does it in Edmonton. I mean, if anyone watched the Oilers play this year, he he was most he was the best player on the team. First forty games, he played as well as he's ever played in his career. He didn't he didn't keep it up, but that but still, his his peak this year was was pretty good. They probably knew they were out of the playoffs. Yeah, that didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk, I got a break for the news, and then we got uh, Jonathan Torrens from Trailer Park Voice, so I hope you can listen to that. Awesome. All right, we're back after the news with J-Rock from Trailer Park Voice. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. The goal. The only goal so far, Pavelski, his ninth of the playoffs on the power play for Marlowe and Thornton at 9.02 of the first period. Now with about six minutes left in the opening frame, and the Sharks lead the Predators 1-0 in Game 7. That basketball game is not close. Oklahoma City leading San Antonio 55-31 at halftime. Oklahoma City wins and moves on to play Golden State if they are able to close that game out. Canada 5-2 over Germany earlier today. You can go to the 630 Ched website for uh, the tons of announcements made by the Edmonton Eskimos today. 
Pictures of the new uniforms are there. Some uh, minor changes from the kits they had the last few years. The uh, Wall of Honor being moved down to field level. Flow Rida playing halftime July 23rd against Hamilton. And they're, they're going to be opening up an Eskimo sports bar at the Edmonton International Airport. Uh, I believe that's coming in September. And watch for a book about the Eskimos coming out in October called Epic Legacy written by Terry Jones. All right, some of the highlights uh, to get to Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really excited to welcome our next guest to this program. You probably know him as J-Rock from Trailer Park Boys, or you saw him on Jonovision, or you saw him on Street Sense, or uh, other programming. It is actor Jonathan Torrens on Inside Sports. Jonathan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. Dreams do come true. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in school, kids. Yeah, stay in school, and one day you can be on Inside Sports on uh, on a there Thursday night. Yeah, well, Thursday night's the prime night for media, right? It really is, because folks are home pre-gaming before they go out anywhere. Do you remember every... I think in TV, Friday night is the death spot, but in radio, Thursday night is where it's at. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember SCTV, every show was Thursday at 9? Of course. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things in the writer's room you can just imagine started as kind of a private joke. And then it was just a groundswell. Yeah. Were you a big SCTV fan as a kid? I was. Um, certainly, uh, its legacy is unbelievable. Um, and I guess just because of my age, I, I followed the careers of the people more so after they left the show. But I have a podcast with Jeremy Taggart, Taggart and Torrin, and he is an SCTV guru. And when we were in Edmonton on tour with our little podcast, we got a tour of the studio where they used to shoot. Oh, nice! That the now global television studios yeah. used to be ITV. Yeah, that's right. That's a famous spot here, buddy. And apparently, Candy loved Swiss Chalet. Is that is that a myth or is that true? And he brought Swiss Chalet to a rap party one year when they were shooting in Edmonton. Oh wow! I, I'd never heard that before, or if I had, I'd forgotten. That is that is probably right. true. I mean, knowing John Candy, he probably liked a lot of things. It, it sure You sure get the impression he liked a lot of things. Yeah, I think he was on the darts, maybe the odd drink, maybe whatever else is going on. Yeah, exactly. But the thing that Candy has that I absolutely loved, and it's so distinctly Canadian, is as funny as he was, if you weren't paying attention, he could suck the tears out of your head pretty quick, too. That's true. Did you ever meet him? I never did. Never crossed oh, paths with bad. him, no. Yeah. That yeah. Was, but uh... that was the first death of my generation that I felt like, I didn't even know he was mortal. Like, it had never occurred to me that John Candy could die, as silly as that was. That one, that one hit it hard. Well, that's a good point. I mean, because he, was, he brought so much joy to you. And, and you're, like you said, he was always so genuine in whatever performance he was, he was, uh, he was doing. It was kind of, I mean, that's one of those things for, I think, a lot of Canadians. You remember where you heard the news, right? Yeah, and you often, um, you know, people often say that comedic performers especially can... Uh, do drama and his turn in JFK. I don't know if you remember that, but yep. it was kind of black and white, and he was shot extremely close up and very sweaty and really conspiratorial in tone. Um, I think the real drag about his passing is that we didn't get to see what he could do on the dramatic side. That's a good point, and, he, and you wonder how much more he would have delved into that as he got older, for, for sure. Well, I'm glad you got to, to tour that when you were here. I know the podcast is doing great, and I know you guys talk. It is. A lot it's of... like radio that you don't get paid for. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's just regular radio, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, but you it's guys often, work. you and Jeremy often talk sports on it. T- tell me a little bit about your connection, um, because well, you were born in PEI, right? So how did you form I was. this connection to the Edmonton Oilers? Well, it's funny because folks out here, uh, you know, have uh, geographical allegiances. A lot of Habs fans, lots of Leafs fans, and lots of Bruins fans. But in the early 1980s, the first book that I ever read for myself that I got to the end of and started again at page one was called The Game of Our Lives by fabled CBC broadcaster Peter Zosky. Not to be confused with The Game, written by Ken Dryden. The Game of Our Lives was Zosky, the host of Morningside, spending a year on the bus with the upstart Oilers. I think it was the last year they were in the WHL. Would that have been like 79-ish? Yep. Yep. And it was like, it's especially a great read now when you know what they went on to do. But it was like, you know, this um, Paul Coffey kid could be okay if he gets his feet under him and gets a bit of confidence. <laughs> uh, like like these children who went on to become a legendary dynasty. Uh, but it just gave unparalleled access to the dressing room, to the bus, to the pranks, um, to the hotel rooms. And as a kid growing up in PEI and playing hockey, just getting to understand what life in the NHL was like. Zosky was a good writer, but it also just so happened that his subjects were, um, their energy was infectious. Well, that's that's a great story about about how you got into a team. You know, basically on the on the other side of the country. Were you, you know, as a as a younger man, did you ever get to come to Edmonton? Did you ever get to go to a game, or was it only I a didn't. TV relationship? I didn't, but in a complete uh, fluke, a wild turn of events, Gretzky played at the Rick Vive Golf Classic in Charlottetown, and I saw him around the same time drain like a seven iron on a par four from about 180 yards out, like a clink, clink in the hole. So as, <laughs> as if we didn't already think he was the Lamb of God, to watch him in front of my very own eyes think an impossible golf shot just cemented everything I needed to know. In I was a goalie at the time, so Andy Moog was my guy. But then in later years, Semenko was my guy because I play supporting roles in my work. Um, so when I got to see my first game at Rexall, which was not this past season, but the season before, the guys that work with the team, Tom Gazzola and, and the video guys, asked what my favorite player was, so they presented me with the number 27 jersey. Oh, nice. Which was like the the eight-year-old boy in me was trying pretty hard to keep it together. We got to sit right beside the bench and, um, you know, a little behind-the-scenes action, and uh, it was just awesome. That's a great story. Jonathan Torrens joining us tonight, Inside Sports on, on 630. Chad, you mentioned that eight-year-old boy, and I, and I mean everybody from Ken Dryden down to guys like me say the beauty of sports is that when you watch, you you can be that that kid again. Maybe a little harder over the last decade to watch the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> with that childlike wonder. What's been your uh, journey as an Oilers fan during what has been dubbed the the decade of darkness? Do you know what the truth is? When I was playing, and let's be honest, I was like not even the starter on like an Adam D team. But I was the first guy at the rink. Like, the rink wasn't even unlocked when I was sitting outside on my pad. I loved the game. Couldn't wait to get on the ice. I have so many sense memories. Like, at the Sherwood Sportsplex and PEI, they served French fries and ketchup chips. 
And to this day, when I walk in a barn, my mouth starts watering and I think about ketchup chips. <laughs> so I'm an optimistic person by nature. And every year, I mean, you know, your, your mind has a great way of hitting its own reset button <laughs> between April and September. But ev- every couple of years, I've really, you know, completely bought in. I really thought Dallas was a guy. I thought he had a good track record of working with young people. Um, I really thought that was going to be a turning point for us. I think, you know, it's been much documented by much sharper hockey minds than mine. But, you know, we have, when we won the draft with Connor, I jumped up off my couch and then kind of sank back into it and thought, that's, he's a dynasty player. There's no question. But it's in a way the solution to the one problem we actually don't have. And we're, you know, I, I let my mind fantasize about Pronger coming back out of retirement and ending up back in Edmonton or we're a 30 minute six foot nine D monster away from being a contender. Yeah. And those guys grow on trees, right? (laughs) Yeah. All kinds of them. Yeah. By by the time they want to come, although as um, chum for the waters to keep the sharks circling, Connor's um, arrival in Edmonton, certainly had to help with that. And, and you hear even with some of the prospects this year, guys get that Edmonton is the place to be and certainly will be for years to come. And there are so many things to be happy about. Um, Darnell Nurse for me this year was, was a, a really exciting um, turning point. I thought he, he played really well. And, you know, if we just had a, a Shea Weber or someone to nurture some of those guys, we'd be in great shape. Yeah, well, But then – the opposite side is you start to ask, well, who do we have to deal to get guys like that? And that just makes me sad. I'd hate to see Abs gone before he, you know, gets the success in Edmonton that he deserves. Yeah. Well, he's a game changer. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, it, it, he is a game changer, and you know, I mean, we were, we're seeing what he did throughout the season, and he's uh, one of the best players at the World Championships already. So, so he's a lot of fun. Let, let's talk a little bit more about you, right? Um, trailer Park Boys. Uh, well, first of all, would you say that you've become best known as, as J Rock to the average Canadian? Is that how you think people identify you now? It's a good question. It depends on the age and the gender. Um, Definitely backwards baseball hat wearing, tragically hip dudes. No J Rock for sure. But there's a um, group of younger women that know me as Emma's dad from a guest shot I did on Degrassi. Mm-hmm. There are some older folks that know me from doing guest shots on Air Farce. Uh, but mostly I get recognized as people I'm not. One of my favorites was <laughs> I was in the airport in Saskatoon buying a pack of gum, and the woman said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's you. I said, Well, yeah, it's me. She said, can I ask you something? Sure, anything. What's it like to be on Coronation Street? <laughs> I get recognized as, swear to God, Matt Sundin, Kiefer Sutherland, anyone blonde over 20. The guy from Saved by the Bell. My own kid rec- recognized me when she was watching Ellen. Well, hold on. As Ellen? <laughs> yeah. Not a she was guest, watching Ellen. Daddy's Ellen. on TV. Daddy's on TV. I ran in the room. She's watching Ellen. I, I don't know. I don't know if that says more about you or more about Ellen. But <laughs> well, she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. She was 15, my daughter, so that's cause for concern. Well, right. No, that she's you, four. Yeah, that you weren't in two places at once. But uh, <laughs> right. Um, so, is are you uh, now Trailer Park Boys? Great run, incredibly popular show. You've you've decided to to, to step away from it. 
I have, yeah. Netflix changed the game. I mean, we did the first season of the show in the year 2000. And uh, I've said a lot that every six months since it started, I thought that's got to be that. Like, it, it was inconceivable to us. It's such local humor. Didn't make sense that it traveled as far as it did. And at first, when folks in, you know, Alberta were watching, we assumed it was East Coasters working out West. That, like, it's so such a local dialect of comedy that there's no way people there could find it funny. So it kind of ran its course, though it did find an audience around the world and, you know, was over after seven seasons. And then Netflix changed everything. So it's in every territory in the world. And I was actually uh, just working on an initiative after the Fort Mac fires to fly um, uh, some folks back east who were stranded after the fire. And Haley Wickenheiser got involved. And her son Noah is 16. And it turns out he's a big fan of Trailer Park. And I was like, oh, that's so crazy. How did you find the show? And he said, well, I found it on Netflix with my friends. And I said, oh, we shot the first season the year you were born. Like, that's how <laughs> long the show's been on the air. And for some reason, it's finding this new generation of kids. So for me personally, I've, I've always seen J-Rock as a supporting character, never as a main character. And when the Netflix uh, incarnation of the show came along, we came up with some things story-wise that kind of felt like they mirrored my own life, and it felt like kind of something beyond just saying what I'm saying. So J-Rock had a kid, and the kid was a rapper and a really good one. You know, this woman showed up out of nowhere and said, remember me? No, well, this is your son. So he had to kind of deal with single parenthood, which was kind of interesting for that character. And then in season 10, he was actually married and um, trying to balance this new uh, matrimonial relationship with being a parent at the same time and trying to, you know, make those relationships work together. And at the end of that, it kind of feels like, well, now I'm in real life. I'm a 43-year-old father of two, and I'm wearing a do-rag as my job. It's probably time to see what else is out there. Plus, the market is small enough in Canada, as you know, Reed, that you have to allow people to imagine you as something else in order to have a career as opposed to just a job. Well, well said. And it, it leads into the, the last question I want to ask you, Jonathan. Jonathan Torrens joining us tonight, Inside Sports on 630. Chad, just mentioned you've seen him as uh, J-Rock on uh, Trailer Park Boys. You can go back to Street Sense, John Vision. You've done so much stuff in a, in a difficult industry where a lot of people would love to be successful in it. Um, but it's tough. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, young people who are writing, acting, doing something, saying, well, i got to get that break. i got to get that break. Is there that break? Did you make your own breaks? What's allowed you to keep plugging away in a very competitive world? Well, I would say the thing that's still relevant nowadays is I have a good work ethic. I work really hard. As the old saying goes, it's amazing how much luck hard work will bring you. Um, I'm humble and learn people's names and remember them, and I'm appreciative and thankful and all of those things that people should be just in the world. But I, I would say the different thing about my industry now is that it's both good and bad. Technology is more accessible than it's ever been. So anybody can shoot a movie on their phone. The show House, they shot the season finale one year on a Canon 5D, like a still camera, the video function. So technology is allowing many more people to have their voices heard. The reason that's bad is because anyone can make a movie and they won't all be great. But if it is good, there are more outlets to find 
um, an audience with YouTube and, you know, floating your stuff on the Internet. And in a way, that's a great equalizer. So the advice I always say to kids is do it. You used to need to rent a film camera and lights and bum some favors from professionals to help you. Now you can do it yourself. The only thing standing between you and making a movie is taking a little initiative. Well, well said. Jonathan, thanks for being so generous with your time. Great stories about your, your connection to the Edmonton Oilers, and, and thanks for updating your fans on, uh, on your, your career and, and uh, your journey. And of course, we wish you all the best, and I hope there's a, a sequel appearance on Inside Sports at some point. Here's hoping. Thanks for having me, Reed. And by the way, Halsey with two today. There's a lot to be optimistic about. The future is so bright. Absolutely. Jonathan Torrance, he is all in as an Oilers fan. Taylor Hall did score twice today as Canada beat Germany 5-2. That was great. Jonathan Torrance. J-Rock on Trailer Park Boys, Street Sense, John Vision, some of his best-known performances, roles, whatever you want to call them. Uh, yeah, very uh, very talented, very hard-working Canadian in the entertainment industry. Thanks so much to Jonathan for coming on. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. An update from San Jose when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Carlson angles off the left boards, gets it out, and it settles, and it's poked by Ward. Gets by one defenseman, moves in, backhander, star! Got around Roman Yossi, went to the backhand, and as the puck started to go off his stick, he tipped it back with his forehand and gave the Sharks a 2-0 lead with 3.09 to play in the first period. Dan Rusinowski with the call, and it might be the final countdown on the Predators' season. Great individual effort by Joel Ward. 2-0 for the Sharks over Nashville after the first period. The shots, 17-3 for San Jose. My goodness, your scoreboard update courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. Okay, uh, we got to update. We'll, we'll do it in the next hour, Matthew. We were talking about Conn Smythe Trophy winners from losing teams. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. We'll uh, get some highlights from the Jonathan Torrens interview. Matt Salmon to talk Tampa Bay Lightning. All ahead, Inside Sports on Chad. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.